The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Rich. It's our second week in our sermon series called Rich. And then if you're following the news, uh, maybe some of you, when you you see that coin going around, know about that 20-year-old kid that uh, won a half, almost a half a billion you heard me say billion, not million, billion dollars in the mega millions lottery. Did, did you hear about that? What would you do? He took a cash out, I think, of 330 million. What would you do with all that money? Rich. All right, stop thinking about that because that's not what we're talking about today. However, God does say things about, uh, to those who are rich. And we have a foundational text in 1 Timothy. And for those of you that were here um, last week, it'll be, it'll be a bit of a review. For those of you that are coming just new again, it's going to be a summary of, of what we spoke about uh, last week. And so we'll go into 1 Timothy and we'll delve into a little bit uh, uh, in the Bible about 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, and if you want to know, hey, what did Pastor Tony talk about uh, today? It's the three T's and the four P's. Okay? Three T's, four P's. We're good. We go home. Blessed by God. Three T's. uh, uh, But let's just read this for a minute. Yeah, go back here. We're going to read the scripture first. Um, St. Paul's writing to Timothy, a young pastor. He says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Last week, you heard Pastor Joe say that if you have a household income of $40,000, you are in the top. Do you remember the percentage of all the world's richness? Do you remember that percent? If you have a household income of $40,000 or more? Yeah, right, 5 5%. Did, did that shock you, some of you? If, if, if you have a household income of 50000 or more, you're in the top what percent? 1%. That's unbelievable to me. I think, oh, wow. And St. Paul's writing, command those who are rich. Now, maybe that dollar amount might apply to some of you here. Even if it doesn't, certainly the Bible passage does in terms of what we're learning today. Because when we talk about spiritual richness, well, the first thing you're going to talk about or think about is money. Being rich in money, because that's where all, all we go. But God, in his economy, he's got the three T's. You've heard them before, haven't you? What are they? Time, talent, treasure. Last week we talked a little bit about treasure, but maybe just for for a few moments we'll talk about time and talent today. I mean, God has given every one of us his resource of time. Hasn't he? We have it. You have as much time as I have. But then he wants us to be generous with it just as much as the treasures are too and the talents are. And so some of us in life, we're in a stage of life where it is crazy busy. Kids are in the home. You know, you're taking care of aging parents. You're going to grad school and you're working. All, I mean, we have hectic lifestyles. At the same time, we have seasons of life, maybe, when we're not so busy, when there's more time. Maybe you are a single adult and all you're worried about is yourself and your job. Not saying that you're not busy as single people, but also maybe there's more time. Maybe there's more time when you're empty nesters. Maybe it's more time when you're healing from a surgery. You're coming home and, you know, uh, there's time for prayer, more prayer. There's time for more relationships. 
how, uh, we're just thinking about this, in, in God's economy, how do we be more uh, rich or generous with our time? Well, what about talent? Talent is maybe, I don't know, this past year, in 2017, I gave a spiritual gift inventory to you to, you, to take and maybe some of you already know, yeah, these are my spiritual gifts, these are my skills, these are my abilities, these are my talents. Maybe some of you don't quite know. Maybe you're just here in church for the first time and come in here and, and you don't know that. Well, our church can help you with that, but I want you to see a list. Don't be shocked, but here it is. These are all the talents and skills and abilities that, that, that go on. It's not just the pastor that preaches. Right? It's not just the worship team that you see. It's not just the tech booth that you don't see back there that makes me look good up here. Right? But it's all kinds of ways that we give back in our generosity to God using our gifts and talents. I'm just going to highlight a few for you. What about teaching? I just met the last service, two teachers that are, were here for the first time looking for a church home in our service. Two teachers, one at Sterling Heights and one uh, thinking about homeschooling. And like, wow, they're just hearing me thinking about, you know, Sunday school happens with the kids. You know, you hear God's word is true, 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 and they hear about Jesus and it looks good. You know, you drop off your kids. That's great. But it takes a lot of work behind the scenes to organize volunteers, to make sure things are covered, all of that. And so maybe you have a teaching background. Maybe you might consider being a uh, Sunday school uh, 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 teacher. Or maybe in the context of small groups. We have a number of small groups in this place. We added more. We continue to add more. And our director of small groups, Don Haney, would love to to, to get a call from you saying, hey, I'd like to be a small group leader. I actually have some experience of facilitating the Bible in a group. Maybe that's uh, what you can do with a talent and be generous with that. Um, Or uh, food preparation. Um, every Wednesday, the first Wednesday of every month, the, the senior adult ministry used to be led by Arlene Kolb, sitting right here, but also by Emily Cott now. Uh, um, a man uh, that passed away about two weeks ago, Ralph Atkin, I used to see him on Wednesdays or maybe earlier in the week preparing food, and he used to give me trouble all the time. And they'd you know, even offer me, you know, uh, I didn't have anything, I'd just snoop in the kitchen. Hey, Ralph, gives me a piece of sausage or whatever it is. I'm like, thank you. Uh, But if you have that gift of preparing food, we have that uh, the first of every month. But we also have a new ministry where you prepare one to two meals a month, freeze them up, and then we take them to the people that are in their home, that are just coming back from the hospital that need a meal. Food preparation preparation is a a great thing. Caregiving. In the seats in, uh, in front of you there, there's always this Stevens ministry card. There's a lot of people in our congregation that have that gift of just caring for people that are coming in need. So I invite you to think about that. Check that out. Greeters and ushering. We always have people that we need to have friendly faces coming in, this hospitality team that we have. Greeting people that are brand new to this place or maybe lost, don't know what's going to happen, what's church all about. You can be uh, that if, that's your, if you have a gift of hospitality. Even as an usher can be a man, woman, uh, children. Do it as families. But, but think about how we might be generous, not just with our time, but also with our talents. And Timothy then writes uh, to uh, Paul, Paul writes to Timothy in verse 18. He says, command those who are rich. Sorry, um, that's verse 17, right? Verse 18 says, Command them, that's those who are rich, to do good, 
to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I love the way St. Paul writes that, the life that's truly life, because every single one of us, we know that there's more to life than this life. The life that's truly life is one as a follower of Jesus. We go beyond what the rest of the world thinks and we're generous with our treasures, our time, and our talent because we are truly rich. If you think about it, in this room, I see all your faces right now. We are billionaires. Billionaires in our resources of time, talents, and treasures. And God wants us to use that wisely. Last week we mentioned, you know, there's one reason we give or we want to generously give is because maybe, you know, I make more than you or I have more than you and I want to kind of equal things out, you know, or I see a family in need and I want to do that. Those are legitimate reasons, but God's best reason in the scriptures of why Christians live generously with their time, with their talent, is because God is such an extravagant giver, isn't he? Think about it. What has he given me every time I walk into this place? I walk in a sinner knowing that I've sinned in, uh, against him in thought, word, and deed. And what do I hear? You're forgiven. God's grace is on you. You remember, you're a child of God. He's given me the Holy Spirit. He's given me faith. He's given me a roof over my head. He's given me children, a wife, everything for my enjoyment. He gives, and he gives, and that list is going to be more than the list I just showed you with how to serve. He gives so much in his one, his only son. Remember we read in our affirmation, we love not because, you know, we, what was it say? How did it go in our affirmation from 1 John? We love because God first loved us. That's why. God's an extravagant giver. The three T's. Now we're going to get practical. The four P's. The four P's. Now, it's not a marketing class. How many of you have taken marketing in a business class in college? Remember the four P's of, of what is it? Price, product, place, promotion, all those, right? That's how you market. You've got to have a right product. You've got to have the right price, promote it in the right way, and find the great place, location, location. Nope, it's not it. This is the four P's of generosity. It's found in the scriptures. You can turn there to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And as you do that, we're going to talk about how it is that we respond to God in generosity by planning, by prioritizing, by being proportionate, and then we trust in God's promise. Okay? A little bit of background then to the book, uh, the letter that we read from St. Paul in 2 Corinthians. It's this. Um, new followers in Corinth. Corinth's a really just immoral place. But yet Paul speaks the gospel and there's some people there that are becoming Christians, and they're like, well, how do we follow this Jesus? What are we supposed to do? And so Paul says, you don't have to do anything because God doesn't need your time, your money, your talents. He can handle ruling the universe without you. However, our neighbors do. And so when our neighbors see the love and generosity of a Christian, we have that ability to say why we do this. And so St. Paul writes to the Corinthians, he said to them, you know when I was there the first time, um, you made a promise that you're going to give to the poor Christians in Jerusalem and in Judea. Corinth is in Greece, okay, kind of Europe. North of Corinth is Macedonia. In Macedonia, here's how, I love it, how St. Paul is encouraging the Corinthians to give. 
to be generous. He calls back in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians verse 2, he says, he says about the Macedonians. You know, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So kind of like, you see how those Christians in Macedonia are doing it? That's kind of how I want you Corinthians to be. And so when we read this text from 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15, I want you to see this, this and it's highlighted, it's also in your book, but it's, I want you to see God's generosity, okay, which is highlighted, and then I want you to see our response. Because this is really what it is. I hope you don't come in these next two weeks when Pastor Joe and I teach about this topic. I hope you don't come in here, all they're talking about is money. Give, give, give. That's not it. We give because God's an extravagant giver. He gives generously to us. We respond. Amen? All right. Let's read from chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, beginning in verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. By the way, God loves an uncheerful giver. And God loves one who doesn't even give at all, because God loves And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. Why do we do this? Because Jesus was generous to us. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. Because of the surpassing grace God has given you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen. The four Ps of living generously. Plan, priority, proportionate, promise. The first P is planned. It's in verse 7. Look at verse 7. Each of you should give what he has decided. That's the key word, isn't it? Has decided in his heart to give. As followers of Jesus, God encourages us to respond generously, to be rich in generosity, and it means having a plan. Means deciding in your heart. This is the kind of budget I'm going to have with our time and our talents and our treasures. We don't live on the spur of the moment just like that because if we do, really nothing gets accomplished. I mean, if you want to accomplish something, you got to have a plan for it. I remember that, I mean, I don't know how many years we've been doing this, but as a family, we get together and we put a list of goals as a family down. We say, hey, we want to go to the gym this year. And as I look at my son, who's just starting to work out, he can barely uh, lift anything because his chest hurts so bad because I took him to the gym. And speaking of that, I can barely lift this Bible because it hurts so bad. 
But you got to have a plan. You know, if you got a plan for, for you know, getting bigger or, or getting trimmer or just staying fit, there's a plan in place. If you want to go and have an education, get your Ph.D., whatever it is, there's got to be a plan in place. you got to finish high school. you got to do well in ACT, blah, 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 and here we go, right? There's a plan. There's forward thinking. We do that in our life, and, and as, we, as it relates to time and talent and treasure, we also think, God, how would you want me to spend my time? How can I use it wisely for you? What are the talents and gifts that you've given me that I might be able to spend with a friend because of this season of life? I have more time. I can use my talents with that. How would you want me to use my church? How, what kind of plan should I have in place? Is there a percentage that you want me to give, Lord, or the amount that you want me to give on a weekly, on a regular basis, maybe in the basket or maybe automatically, electronically? Who knows? Well, what kind of plan do we have in place as a family, living generously for God? I remember um, it must have been when my youngest was 10 years old, about that we were still living in St. Louis. I was a missionary at the time to Bosnian Muslim people. And uh, 12 days before Christmas, there was a knock at the door, a ring on the bell, and then nobody was there. We looked around, nobody was there. We looked down, there was a gift. What's going on 12 days before Christmas? And then the next day, different time, there'd be another gift. The third day, it happened again, and by the time the fourth day came around, my kids who were just young were peek, you know, peeping out the, the front porch window like, we're going to catch who's, who's doing this. We never found out who did it, but at the end of the gift giving, which was like Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, they finally wrote a note. Hey, just so you know, we're doing the 12 days of Christmas, and, and, and your family was on our heart. We just want you to be blessed. We were so taken aback, we were overwhelmed by that, that the next year, our family, my wife and I said, you know what, let's pick a family in our church. Single mom, three kids. We knew that she needed things. Let's do this too. So we planned what, what present we're going to put this day. Package of diapers, gift certificate to Aldi, whatever it was. And then, and then a kid would come with me and we'd sneak in and we'd put it on the porch. We did it. And, and really, the reason I say that is because planning was involved. Planning was involved. We thought about it. We prayed about it. We planned. And then we accomplished it. It was, it was awesome. We found out as a family, Jesus' words, it is more blessed to what? To give than to receive. Because we are planning. Planning is a huge deal of living generously. And remember, God doesn't need our time, our talents, our treasures. He can, li- he can rule the universe without us. But our neighbors do. First is plan. Second is priority. Priority is just, you know, whatever takes precedence over something else, whatever's more important. As an example, my family's a priority. God is a priority first, even before my family, so that when I go into my office every day, there's a devotion waiting for me on my email. And I I read that devotion almost every day and say, Lord, teach me. And then, you know, somehow soccer kind of creeps up there too. But that's a different story, trying to balance that out on on a given day. But I want to have you see some scripture verses that talk about priority from 1 Corinthians 16.2. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put aside and save whatever extra you earn so that collections need not be taken when I come. Then from Proverbs and Corinthians, Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your produce. And they gave themselves first to the Lord. Then to us, in keeping with God's will, you see all the firsts 
in these verses. First, prioritizing. Prioritizing living generously means you don't wait at the end of the month to see what's left over of your time, your talents, and your treasure. If you want to live generously as God is generous to us, then we plan, then we prioritize. And I want you to look at these verses that have highlighted, remember the response of God and us. I want you to see how God, through St. Paul, prioritizes in these verses so generously. Each of you should give. God loves a cheerful giver, an uncheerful giver. Nobody gives at all. He loves us. He's abound in every good work, the Bible says. They have freely, freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Be generous on every occasion. What's the next one? Is that it, that last verse? That, that service that you perform. You see, God, through St. Paul, is saying, Prioritize. Prioritize in your planning, of your, in, your, in the time and the talents and the treasures. Third, the third P is proportionate. Proportionate. I'm glad and I'm thankful that God doesn't uh, require a certain dollar amount that you're supposed to give or a certain number of hours that you're supposed to use with your talent or a certain number of, of times that you're you know, supposed to use these gifts. It's not a precise number, but in the Old Testament, if you remember, under the law of Moses, they were supposed to give a tithe, and a tithe means what? 10%. To give a tithe of the crops, of the fruit, of the land, back uh, to the temple, back to the priest. And, and that's what that he required. But in the New Testament, there's no requirement for that. It's not a requirement for a tithe. You're not, you, you don't have to. The thing is, you get to. And here are the scripture verses uh, that we see that talk about proportional giving. 2 Corinthians 9, in earlier verses, uh, St. Paul writes, We want you to know about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means. That's the proportionate way. And even beyond. So maybe they gave even more than a tithe. 2 Corinthians 8.11, now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. And here's the key, according to your means. And then we read from 1 Corinthians 16.2 where Paul instructs to set aside a son of money in keeping with. Keeping with literally means however one has prospered in proportion to what God has given you. And if you think about it, proportional giving is actually more fair than, than a tithe, than, than 10%. Than, uh, because if you think about a person who makes hundreds and thousands, you know, six figures or whatever, and they give 10%, it's, it's, it's quite different than a person that's making 10000 and gives 10%. I mean, the one that's making 10000 10%, oof. This is why Jesus teaches in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, for everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. Do you remember that, that widow's mite where she gives those two coins are precious that she's living out of her, she's giving out of her, uh, what she has, out of her, her need, and she gives more. But maybe some of those Pharisees, they're given from their surplus. And yet God says it's proportionately, that's the way he wants, proportionate giving. Some are blessed with much, and so they give much. Some are blessed with little, and they, they give little, but the concept of living generously is that we give in proportion to what God has given to us. The last P, promise. Promise. And I want you to look now again at the same verses that we read, but now I want you to see God's promises. 
If we sow generously, we're going to what? Reap generously. The promise is that God loves. He loves us all. If we give or if we don't give, that God's able to bless us abundantly, not necessarily back with material things, but with rich in righteousness, that we are righteous as would endure forever. And that's really the key, isn't it? That we would be righteous before him, not because of our good works, but because what is he, he's done for us. He's made us righteous. We're his children, and therefore we want to be a reflection of our Heavenly Father, don't we? We do. I mean, if you have a dad that you want to look up to, awesome. That's what our Heavenly Father is. We want to be like our Father. What else is the promise? That he's going to supply, he's going to increase the needs of God's people. But what's going to happen is when we trust God and we do the planning and prioritizing and being proportionate, then God's going to get the thanks. God's going to get the glory. We get to give the reason for why we do this. And what's the last one? Others are going to praise you. Others are going to praise God for the obedience. Is there another one? Did it? Awesome. So, as we close... I just look out in the room and I see a church that's filled with resources. Resources of time and talent and treasure. And as we talk about this sermon series, God wants us to be rich in that generosity. So if you've not considered how to serve, how to give, how to uh, use your, your, your time, talent, and treasure, please call us. We'd be happy to help and talk through that with you as we plan, as we prioritize, we proportionally give And because we trust in God's promises, he never breaks his promises. They're always 100% going to happen. And so we live that kind of life. Three T's, four P's. We're out. Let's pray, though. Let's pray, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you really are the one that understands it is more blessed to give than to receive. Because you gave your one and only son. It's because of Jesus that we can even stand here listening to your your words through me. Just a mere sinner and, 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 and just a man. But Lord, your promises are what we speak back and forth to each other. And when we speak that, we're filled with your spirit. We've read your word. We've been enriched by it. And Lord, we give you thanks. I just give you thanks for for helping us understand that we are not our own. We've been bought with a price. Therefore, we honor God with our body, our mind, our heart, our time, our talents, our treasures. We're not our own. We've been bought by your blood. We've been bought by Jesus, what you've done on the cross to die for our sins, but then also rise again from the dead that we might have assurance that we're going to be with you forever, not because of what we've done, but only by your grace and mercy. And so we owe it all to you. When you said those words on the cross, Jesus, it is finished. The debt has been paid. And so we live a life of generosity, giving back to you because of what you've done. Thank you for that, Jesus. In his name we pray.